to do that. I don't know. But all I know is what I did last night. I I thought I was going to bed, you know. Went upstairs. Uh, we sleep upstairs. Our bedrooms are upstairs. And so I take all my stuff. I take my notes that I studied all week. I take all the things that I would talk about today. Plus, I take four other Bibles with me. And I sit down and then I try to put everything away and jump into bed as fast as I can because I know the Holy Spirit's telling me to do something else. You know, and so he got me. He got me. He got my, I got my mirror Bible out, and I sat down at around 9.30, and I didn't go to bed till 2 a.m. And, <laughs> yeah, you were working, though. <laughs> but I, I just studied and studied. I couldn't stop studying. It was just so awesome to spend. I don't know if you've ever spent that kind of alone time with your Bible and the Holy Spirit. I mean, I could sense things in my room moving. I can sense the presence of God. I can sense His power all around me. I mean, I've had um, angelic visitations during those those sessions. And that was one that I had when I was young in the Lord almost 30-some years ago. And it, it just gets better and better. He gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go on. How many have noticed that in your relationship with Him? But in John chapter 14, Jesus really lays out who the Father is. And I really want to talk about that because I believe in understanding kingdom culture, which is our number five in a series, is understanding the heart of the Father, how much He loves you, how much He cares about you. Because each of us, I believe, that are gathered here today literally have the passion to represent God well in every part of life. I mean, we want to represent Him. And we don't always have to represent Him through you know, studying the Bible, but we can represent Him through everyday life, how we act every day, how we, you know, do commerce every day. And in doing so, we've worked to build a culture, literally, that celebrates the varieties found in life because there's so many things. I mean, it's St. Patrick's Day today. I mean, there's people celebrating St. Patrick's Day. I'm Italian. I'm sorry. But I did wear my only green vest I had in the house. And uh, I, was, I was watching Channel 3 News yesterday and Michael Esteem, Estemines, who is the, the Saturday uh, a guy on Channel 3, he said, we, we were told not to wear green today. And uh, so him and the announcer, they were talking back and forth, and the, lady, the other lady said, well, you could have wore green socks, and nobody would have even known. <laughs> I said, there you go, talking, caught, starting rebellion. <laughs> but, you know, but I said, I wish I had a pair of green socks. I would have, would have worn them for you today, because then I could have showed you them. But this, I, I remembered last minute that I had this green vest. I don't know where I got it. I don't know why I have it. All I know, it sits in my closet every year, every day. And I said, well, I guess today's its debut. You know, and Linda liked it. So I figured if Linda liked it, it's got to be okay. I, I, here, 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 here's the good part. My wife was sleeping when I left the house. And you guys know the story about me and my wife when I dress. You know, a lot of times when I get dressed, my wife says, you're not going out like that, are you? You don't match. I says, what is match? I thought a match was something you light a fire with. I didn't know my clothes had to match, you know. A lot of times I, I, I just got to the point that says, no, honey, I'm going to go out in the car. I'm going to go outside in the garage and change the oil in the car. Would you please set out the clothes you want me to wear, and then I'll wear those, and we'll be in good shape. But she was sleeping this morning, and now she's with the kids, so she can't even hear me talk about her. So, but don't you guys go tell her now. 
Oh, no, yeah, I know you guys. I know you really well. <laughs> you can go ahead and tell. But giving value to what God values is key for all things that pertain to the kingdom of God because God is interested in us. But, you know, in John chapter 14, verse 1, let me give you a few scriptures. I, I really don't want to get too in-depth with uh, getting into the, these whole chapter. The chapter, if you look at it, uh, from there's 31 verses, but when you look at all of the all the verses, there's so many places where he mentions the Father. Jesus is mentioning the Father, and this is the part of the Bible where Thomas says, "Well, why don't you show us? Tell us, show us the Father." And he, and he says, "Well, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right?" But he says in the, in 14:1, he says, "Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house." Are many mansions, and if you're thinking that it's a mansion of your dreams, you, you got to study the Greek because there's nothing there about a house. It's all about going into depths of relationship with the Lord. It's all about Ezekiel 47. Did you ever study Ezekiel 47, where he talks about the water that flows out of the temple, and when you, it comes out, it comes out. It's only ankle deep, and then it can be knee deep, and then it could be waist deep, and then it can be so deep that you can swim in it, Ezekiel 47. That's what this is about. The mansions are relationship, a deep relationship with the Lord, knowing Him in such a way of intimacy that you know there's no question about you and Him. Because I've said before, I said last week, the Bible is more than a textbook. This is not a textbook. How many know this is not a textbook? This is a relational guide and how you can relate to the Lord and how He can relate to you and how much He loves you and how much He cares about you. And he says in the verse 3, he says, And if I go to re prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. It was kind of interesting when, and Mike, I mentioned about you know, your father-in-law passing. And it was kind of interesting on Friday he passed, 6.20 in the morning. And I went, uh, he called me right away pretty much, and I was there about 7, 7.30, quarter to 8. Uh, and I walk in and, you know, his father-in-law is in the bed, you know, just waiting to... Uh, they didn't even, you know, they haven't taken the body out yet. And, and I walk in, and there's a guy sitting there. And I, I think he's the doctor. He was sitting there, and I walk in, and I go, Wow, hey, Ed, I like your earth suit. It's nice. You know, I just was being honest. I said, This is, you know, how many know this is our earth suit? We all wear one. It's called earth suit. You know, and even your flesh and blood has a sell by date on it. You know, we're not here in these bodies forever. We're not in these bodies forever, but we will live forever in eternity. And God gives us this body as our earth suit. And the guy sitting there, I, I'm, I'm thinking he was the doctor uh, who was sitting there. Do you know, Mike, if he was or not, the guy that was sitting there? there I think it was the staff doctor for, the, for Joshua Tree. And he said to me, he said, now I like that word. He says, I'm going to use that from now on, earth suit. He said, that suits me pretty good. But he says, if I, go, if I go and I'm going to prepare a place, I will come and, and receive you that where I am, there you may be also. I don't know about you, but that's comforting to know. It's comforting to know. Just like the Scripture where Jesus says, I'll never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. I will always be with you. But there's days where you, feel, you don't feel them. There's days where you, you, know, you can't really understand what's happening at that point, but God is always there for us, and He's always with us. And so... God was literally saying in these verses that I like to say is, He said, set your troubled heart at ease. 
rest, relax. Don't worry about it. See, what God wants us to know about death is He's got it all taken care of. All we have to do at that point is just trust Him. You, know, you don't have to worry about it. Because in Christ, you're, you're already taken care of. The whole thing has been taken care of for every person. By letting your belief conclude in God as you rest in your confidence in Christ. That's what he's saying in John 14, 1. And then he says, what makes my Father's house home, you know, what makes the Father's house a home is you in it. Is you in it. That's what makes the Father's house a home because you are included. See, God's whole desire for salvation was to include us. God was not happy just with one son, Jesus. He wanted a family of sons and daughters who we are. That's who we are. And He loves us. He brings us in to His family. He brings us in. He says, I have come to fully persuade you of a place so that you can live in a place with me called seamless union. How many know what seamless means? There's no seam. Just like, you know, if you put, if you put down carpeting in a big room, you've got to put seams in the carpet to make it fill the room. But there's no seams with God. It's one seamless union. Like my wife mentioned last week, it's like the robe of righteousness, which the prodigal son got when he came home. And he came home and he tried to recite, I'm just gonna, I just want to be a servant. I know I messed up. I screwed up. I know I messed up. Just let me be a servant, pops. Let me be a servant in your house because your servants eat better than anybody in the world. And he says, no. He says, you can never be a servant. You have to be my son. And so as he came home, they got the fatted calf. They had a party. See, God is a party animal. He loves celebration. He loves singing. He says the angels of heaven just rejoice over one that is saved. So every time, just think of all the parties that they have in heaven over one person that gives their life. And, you know, and we're sitting here now, we're in this, our little group, but if you took all of us across the whole universe, the whole globe of people, there could be somebody, there could be thousands being saved right now. And what are the angels doing in heaven? Part, they're rejoicing. They're having a party. They're excited about what God is doing. And so there's something going on here that's even more than what we see. And see, with, there's so much freedom found in being sons and daughters of God. There's no, there's no pretense. And what Jesus accomplished in His death and resurrection will forever give us the freedom of our sonship. We are forever free as sons and daughters of God. And that's one thing. I mean, that's, that's comforting to know. You know, in Christ, there's no guilt. There's no condemnation, it says in Romans 8. There is neither no condemnation. There is no shame you want, to, you want to talk about a shame-filled world, just walk outside these doors. Start listening to the news and watching what's going on in the world. What's motivating people. When people are judgmental and critical and judging everything, they're just filled with shame. They don't know what to do with it. They're living under the law rather than living under the love of God, the Father's heart. They're instead of living with grace and giving grace to those who have, you know, did things that are not really good. But it says that in verse 3, when if I, and, and this verse 3 is literally meaning to come face to face with the Father. And then 14.6 is the old famous John 14.6 that we all know. Jesus said to him, because he asked him, he, says, uh, he said in, in verse 4, and where I, I go you know, and the way you know, and then Thomas. How many know who Thomas is? Thank you. 
You all know. <laughs> it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that he's a doubter. I don't know how we got that in there. I don't know. Somehow we exegeted it in. We, you know, we threw it in there. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus says to him, I am the way. I am the way. In other words, he was saying, I am the way. I am literally your truth, your truth for your life. That's the way, that's the way it really says in the original language. I am the way, your truth. And if you look up the word truth, you're going to have a real big surprise if you're in the grammatical things about things in the Greek. The word truth in the, in the Greek is in the feminine way of saying it. So a lot of times you can take, when you, when you study out the Holy Spirit in John 16, and he, he is, the Bible says He's the Spirit of truth. And so that truth is in the feminine, so you can say that the Holy Spirit has a feminine side to Him. I'm just, I'm just telling you, go ahead, you just go study it. And if, you, if you can prove me wrong, go prove me wrong. Okay, let's do it. Let's get on it. You know, let's, let's be the Berean Christians that they were called. They were called the Berean Christians in the book of Acts because they studied the Scriptures. They dug in deep and they found out if the truth was there. What, what, what are they saying? Is it true? So every single person can now come face to face. Because of Jesus, we can come face to face with the Father. That's what this whole chapter is about, John 14. The whole chapter is about coming face to face with the Father. We have full access to the engineer of the universe, to the God of the universe. We can go face to face with Him and have relationship and talk to Him like you're just talking to me, like we're just friends. Face to face with Him because of what I've accomplished. And then if you, you read those verses, and He said it because He says in verse 7, if you've known Me, you would have known My Father also from now on. You know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us. Okay. Now we went from Thomas to Philip, you know. Lord, show us the Father, and it shall be sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? How many times? I mean, I mean, I know people have been married 60 years and they're wondering who the other person is. You know? And he also has seen me, has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? If you've seen me, Jesus, then you know the Father because I came to show you the Father. To give you a perfect picture of who he is. And if you read, I, I tell everybody, read John 3 in the Amplified Version. You will so walk away with such a different view of God about you and God about other people that you will not be able to see other people anymore as them or we're righteous and they're wicked. And you're not going to see it that way anymore. For God didn't come into the world, it says, to condemn the world, but to save the world. And then Peter goes on to tell us that he's not willing that any would be lost, that all would know him, that they'd be awake to know who he is. And because of who we are in Christ and His sons and daughters, wow, I really got off that trail. 
But I could stay on that trail if you want me to. He determined to live a life that upholds and models his values. And in doing so, we have the privilege of building a culture where God is at home here among us. God is at home here among us. What verse are we on up there? I can't see it. Six? I think you can go to seven or eight or nine. I'm really in nine right now. In fact, let's go to ten. <laughs> it says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father? Do you not believe that Jesus is living in me? Because Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul said that this gospel is his gospel, not, not, not Jesus, his. Which means that you and I can make this gospel ours. How do you do that? Intimate relationship with him. Intimacy. Knowing him personally, face to face. When you're face to face with the Father, everything that Jesus did becomes yours. And when you meet Jesus, literally you meet yourself. You want to find out about yourself? Get to know Jesus. Because that's who you are. And the Bible, literally the Bible, <clears throat> this Bible, how many got one? You can hold up your device, that's fine, I don't care. Jesus is what the Bible is all about. From Genesis to Revelation. And you and I are what Jesus is all about. You and I are what Jesus is all about. He came because He wanted us to know. He wanted us to know Him and He wanted us to know the Father. He wanted us to know Him so well that we would have no problem. You know, when in religion, if you do something wrong, you run away from Daddy. But in grace, when you do something wrong, you call Daddy up. Because you know that your Daddy is all, has already forgiven you because you have the parable of the prodigal son who a son who wished his father was dead and take the inheritance and spend it all, come back home and wants to be the servant and he says, no way, you're still my son. And you'll always be my son. And your behavior could never stop you from being my son. The Father and I are in seamless union. And then he says in verse 11, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. The fact that the Father seemed distant or invisible to you. How many ever felt like the Father's Distant. He's not. How many have ever felt that the Father is invisible? He's not. It doesn't mean that He's absent. He's always there. Because He promised you that He would never leave you. His promises are yes and amen. The word amen means so be it to the, you know, to the, to the, if you just want a surface level interpretation. But if you really want to know what amen means and you really studied it out in the Scripture, you would find it, it echoes everything that Jesus did. So when you say amen, you're saying, man, it's the whole enchilada. It's prego. It's all in there. From the top to the bottom. Everything that Jesus did. And in me, he says, he, he is ever present. You are never alone. We are in, God is saying to us, we are inseparable. 
We are inseparable. Wherever I am, you are. Wherever you are, I am. Do you know that? God's with you all the time. How many ever felt like at work He's not there? He's there all the time. Whether you can sense it or not. And Jesus did not come to persuade the Father. Listen, Jesus didn't come to persuade the Father about us. Jesus came to persuade us about the Father. To persuade us about who He is so that we can have an intimate relationship with Him. Amen? And then He says in verse 12, He says, Most assuredly I say to you, He who believes in Me, and we all we talked about this one, Mark. Uh, the works that I do, He will do also, and greater works. Okay, then these will He do because I go to my Father. And so He said, if you believe in Me, you're going to do everything that I've done, yet I want you to know something. Because of the day and the age and the culture we live in today, each one of us, through the power of the media, can have a global influence. How many know that's greater influence? How many know that's greater works? I mean, if you're confined to a little village called Bethlehem or a little village called Galilee and that's all you got, that's all you got. But you can get on your internet, you can get on your computer, you can go in an instant, you can be from here, you can be to South Africa. You can be anywhere, you can be in... I, mean, I have a friend right now, Chris Long, who is a... A, a diplomat for Christians, he's in England talking to me about London and France because he's, we're able to connect because we have global influence today. That's greater works. Greater works is that we can be influenced by them and they can be influenced by us. Amen? I mean, God, I mean, you are God's, let me tell you something, you are God's love dream. You are God's love dream. You, want, you can't get any greater than that. Amen? And the Father is as present in you as He is in me. And believe it or not, He's multiplied in us. He's multiplied in all of us. And so He's, you know, when you want to know where God is, He's all over the place. You know, He's not in just one place. He's not in just one group. He's not in just this group. He's in all of the groups. How many churches are meeting right now all over the city just here? And then you take that and you get out of here and you hit the Chicago and then you go to Pittsburgh and, and then you get out of here and you go to Europe. You, you cross over the pond, you know, and you get some more people over there in New Zealand and there's people everywhere. I think the Lord has multiplied Himself quite well. Amen? And then verse 13. I'll stop there and I'll jump back into my teaching. This is, this is stuff that I discovered last night. And whatever you ask, he says, in my name. Whatever you ask in my name, this is what he says. That I will do. That I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, verse 14, I will do. How powerful is prayer? Wow, how powerful. I mean, I believe prayer is everything. It's everything. There's so much power in prayer. Just simple prayers. You don't have to know a lot. You don't have to say a lot. I've learned to say less and believe for more. You know, God is able to do, it says in Ephesians 3.20, God is able to do 
exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ever ask or think. So here's what I say to do. Get a, pe get a piece of paper, notebook paper, or, or if you want to do it on your iPad or whatever, make a list of all the things you want God to do for you. And then all the things, put a list next to it, all the things that I dream about I want God to do, right next to that list. I just want you to know, because of Ephesians 3.20, He'll blow your mind. He'll blow your mind. Because God is an adventure. He's better and bigger than anything Peter Pan could ever wondered about in Never Never Land. I mean, it is just, but if you, you study all that out, that Never Never Land stuff, it's all about eternity. The, two, the typologies are incredible if you can see beyond the movie and ask God to give you some interpretation. Amen? And so your sonship and my sonship is endorsed by his sonship. How do I know I'm a son? Because Jesus was a son. You know, that was one of the purposes of Jesus coming too, to show us our sonship. He wanted, us to show, he wanted to show us who we are. And when we see and we study out the life of Jesus, we find out who we are. We, found out, we find out our identity. Because when we're born again, we get a new mind. It's called the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. So don't be double-minded because James said a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So once you get the mind of Christ, get rid of the other mind, the fallen mindset, which is the enemy of us all. And we have to get rid of it because we, our minds need to be renewed by the Word of God. Amen? And that begins to show up in our lives. And I will do that the Father may be glorified in you. And so that's, that, that starts happening. And so every invention, you know that every invention in the world begins with an original thought. I don't know if you know this or not, but you are God's original thought. You are, I mean, that speaks volumes of your value, volumes of your worth. You are God's original thought. You are His initiative. You are the fruit of His creative inspiration. You are His intimate design. And of course, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. You are His love dream. You are His love dream. Isn't it amazing? Each one of us has such an incredible worth and value because of Jesus. He doesn't love me more because of what I do. He loves us the same. We're all on the same tier together. I'm just here because He's given me a revelation and I want you to know it. I want you to see it. Just like on the boys on the road to Emmaus, they, couldn't even, they didn't even know it was Jesus walking with them for eight hours. You know, this is a pretty bad perception. Duh. Who's the stranger walking with us talking about Jesus? Who is this guy? Duh. Which way did he go? Duh. But the first Hebrew word in the Bible, and I can't pronounce it because I'm not Hebrew, I'm Italian. I'll spell it for you. It's B-E-R-E-S-H-E-T. How do you say it, John? Bereshit. There you go. And it's taken from the word B-E-R-O-S-H. Berosh. Berosh. And it, and it really means in the head. In the head. So God had you and I in His head, in the mind from the beginning of 
time, you are God's original thought. Even before the foundation of the world, God had you in mind. That's how much you're valued. That's how much you're loved. That's how much God cares about you. And in Ephesians 2.10, it says, you are the work of His art. It says in the New Living Translation, if you had one, it says, you are His masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. Just think, I mean, so if you think your earth suit don't matter, it matters to God. It really matters to Him. In fact, another version says, you are His poem. How many like poems? Too bad Michaela's not here. She loves writing poems. You are His poem. You are spectacularly, spectacularly endorsed by God the Father in the highest honor and glory. It says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, Now we all, with a new understanding, see ourselves in Christ as in a mirror. Thus we are changed from an inferior mindset, a fallen mindset, to the revealed opinion of our true design in the heart of the Father. In the heart of the Father. So by us beholding who He is, His glory, the Father, as in a mirror, we cannot but discover that we are we are. God's glory. You are God's glory. If you're looking for God's glory somewhere else, you're looking in the wrong place. You're it. Tag. You're it. You know? Tag somebody. You're it. Say, you're it. You're God's glory. So the Bible has been called by many today who have discovered their true identity in Christ. People who have discovered who they are in Christ have called this Bible the romance of the ages. The romance of the ages. The greatest love story ever told is right here. It's not the mother books that other people read, you know, those crazy things. You walk in the airports and see these women with all these books, you know, and they're all reading this stuff. But they're reading the wrong love story because this is the greatest love story ever told. And the heart of our Father, which has been hidden for ages, is being uncovered in the pages of our Bibles. For he says in Isaiah 65, 1, I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. Here I am. Here I am. And the sound, that sound echoes within each of us that keeps saying, here I am. God is here. He's waiting for you to awaken to the truth of His love for you. You were His original thought. You were always His love dream. He always thinks about you. He always wants to talk to you. He's just waiting for you to talk. You know, that's why the Bible says many are called but few are chosen. Most people just leave the phone off the hook. Because they don't want to talk. They want to text. That's okay. Text. Text God. Guess what? You might, he might answer you. But make sure you send a text to me. I'll make sure he gets it. Because we're, we're, we're not a simple little invention of our parents, though I believe. I said, you are the greatest idea God ever had. You got that, John? You are the greatest idea God ever had. We're not simple invention of our parents, though I believe many of us were surprised. I believe many of our parents were surprised when you did arrive. 
But according to Jeremiah 1.5, it says, Jeremiah 1.5, mark it down, read it in your Bible, Jeremiah 1.5, God knew you before He formed you in your mother's womb. He knew you. Let me take you to another scripture in the book of Acts. Let's go Acts 17. I don't have it written down, so I've got to look it up in the book. Acts 17. Notice I didn't give you the last verse because I don't want you to beat me there. Acts 17, verse 28. Mark it down. Memorize it. It says, For in Him we live and move and have our being. In Him we live and move and have our being. The last part of that Scripture says, we, we are also His children, His sons and daughters, His offspring. So our Bibles do declare how our God, the engineer of the universe, found expression through us as His image and likeness. And then in Christ, the visible form in human life incarnation, when God created you and I, us, He imagined us being whose intimate friendship would intrigue Him for all of eternity. God just gets a blast out of you. And mankind would be with God as His seamless union forever. Has nothing to do with, I mean, it's great that you're here today, but tomorrow he's got the same thing happens. Where every, when you leave here today, the meeting never stops. Church never stops. We're just gathered together corporately now, but we're always guided. This is going on all the time, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days in a year. It doesn't matter what's going on. It's happening all the time for all of eternity. And two scriptures in the book of John, John writes these two incredible thoughts about our seamless union. Let's go to John 10. Got David on the screen and in the back. John 10, 30. What does the Bible say about us and God? John 10, 30. One, two, three, four, five. Six words. Six words up there. I and my Father are one. And the I is living in you. Amen? Who's the I? Jesus. So Jesus and the Father are one, and if He's living in you, you're one with Him too. So He declares that the true mission of Jesus is revealed in six simple words. And then the next one that includes us is found... Oh, just so you know, I'm not going to let you out. I'm not going to let you squeeze by. Let's go to John 14, verse 20. That's the one we were in before, John 14, 20. He says, And, that, and in that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. So you've got a full house. I mean, if you're still looking for a flush or a straight or two of a kind or a pair, it's the full house. You get the Father, you get the Son, you get the Holy Spirit, you get all the gifts, 
You get all the fruits. So how fruity are you? You're full of fruit. You're fruity. You got all the fruits of the Spirit. You got all the gifts of the Spirit. You got all the gifts of the Father. All the, they're all listed in the New Covenant. All the gifts of the Father. All the gifts of the Son. All the gifts of the Spirit. Nine gifts of the Spirit. How many know them by heart? It's not important. What? You sure are, Jack. You're full of it. You're full of God. So again, let me reinforce that our Bibles are God's amazing conversation with all of mankind. Want to come up and do a last song? Because I'm done. I could go on. I could go on for another two hours, but everybody's thinking about something else. So... Yeah. Amen. Thanks for coming today, everybody. Have a great week. Awesome week. Remember who you are. God's sons and daughters of God. You are God's love dream. You are God's original thought. You are God's greatest idea. Think about that. That you are God's greatest idea ever. Before the foundation of the world. So your, your value and your worth is it's sky high when it comes to what God thinks about you. Amen? I heard a few people say that they liked uh, poems, and my father always recited one that he had learned in, in grammar school, fourth grade or something. And he always recited it for our, for our family get-togethers. And it was called uh, Discontent, which is kind of an odd thing to bring up today, but... Down in a field one day in June, the flowers all bloomed together, save one who tried to hide herself and drooped that pleasant weather. A robin who had soared too high and felt a little lazy was resting near a buttercup who wished she were a daisy. For daisies grow so trig and tall, she always had a passion for wearing frills about her neck in just the daisy's fashion. And buttercups must always be the same old tiresome color, while daisies dress in gold and white although their gold is duller. Dear Robin, said the sad young flower, perhaps you'd not mind trying to find a nice white frill for me some day while you were flying. You silly thing, the robin said, I think you must be crazy. I'd rather be my honest self than any made-up daisy. You're nicer in your own bright gown. The little children love you. Be the best buttercup you can and think no flower above you. Though swallows leave me out of sight, we'd better keep our places. Perhaps the world would all go wrong with one too many daisies. Look bravely up into the sky and be content with knowing that God wished for a buttercup right here where you are growing. <laughs>